0: Women's Health Melbourne is an innovative, holistic fertility and women's health practice. We are world leaders in IVF and egg freezing and provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our hand picked,
1: expert team provides the ultimate care experience for our patients. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and follow us at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr. Rayleigh Welcome back to Up. Today we're joined by Laurel Gingus, who is an experienced and compassionate counsellor and social worker. Laurel provides professional support to individuals, couples and families with over 15 years experience in individualised counselling, group work, and therapeutic casework. We're very excited to welcome Laurel to the Women's Health Melbourne team.
0: Welcome Laurel.
2: Thanks very much, Geordie.
0: Laura, can you tell us a little bit about your background in social work and what brought you to this role in fertility counselling and women's health support?
2: So I graduated from a Bachelor of Social Work in uh, 2004. It's a long time ago now. Then I worked uh, in a range of different areas. I worked uh, in public hospitals, in community health, um, specifically helping uh, women in the, the pre- and postnatal period where they're experiencing high levels of stress and, and then their babies when they were born until they turned two, and, and um, which is something that I really, really loved. But through my experience, I keep coming back to working with women and their partners And babies uh, and, and young children and that's really my passion. It's a privilege to work alongside women and partners and sometimes babies through that whole journey.
0: So Laurel, you started your career as a social worker. Can you tell me what a social worker
2: is? Basically a social worker looks at the individual holistically, Uh, So I look at what's happening for that person who is coming to me uh, for assistance or it could be as a family or a couple. Then what I'm doing is finding out from them and exploring with them what the presenting issues are and also looking at what the wider issues are. So, you know, what are their supports as well as what's happening for them in that moment? Where do they go uh, when they need some help or Uh, externally, or or what have they done um, previously that's helped them to get through a really difficult time, um, a stressful situation that might have been similar. So that's been my interest. But a social worker basically is looking at uh, at someone holistically. So it's looking at the individual and what's happening for them, the presenting issues. Um, Sometimes it does overlap with psychology and people can get a bit confused as to what the difference is between a psychologist and a a social worker. And I suppose the thing with social work is that, yes, it does cover some of the things that a psychologist um, can look at, um, what's happening sort of internally, in, uh, such as the stresses going on in, in the mind or psychologically, uh, mental health and things like that. Um, but it's also looking at the broader issues. So the social impact, who the supports are, you know, is there sufficient support for someone when they're going through a really stressful time, or is that something that needs to be set up for them? So I'm looking at those sorts of things. I'm also looking at the wider impacts of, um, I suppose, who that person is and, uh, and what it means, because there are so many different factors that, that influence us and ha- that have impacts on us that we're not really necessarily aware of. So things like our gender, you know, our so- socioeconomic status, Do we have access to services uh, readily or not? Those kinds of factors have a really big impact and and, and even cultural background um, and whether we experience racism or not. So I'm considering all of those different layers when when I'm working with someone and bringing it back to that individual. So I guess that's just broadly, that's sort of what social work looks at. Um, different types of social work look at different things. You know, there are uh, other specialisations, but, but my, my specialisation really is working with the individual and, um, and the family and the couple and helping them to work through any sorts of, of barriers that come up for them in any times when they're feeling stuck and trying to work through that with them uh, collaboratively.
0: So that holistic view really does fit well with our practice at Women's Health Melbourne and and we always treat our patients as the whole picture, the whole person, not just a disease or background.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's also why I love working in this field because it is holistic um, and and, uh, in this service it is holistic and it's multidisciplinary as well. I'm not going to have all the solutions for someone and I'm certainly not a medical person. That's not my purpose. But if someone is needing assistance uh, with that medical support, I know that they're getting it. Um, and if I can identify other things that they might be needing that are available in Women's Health Melbourne, such as help with nutrition or, or diet, or then I can suggest those things and, and that's really wonderful to have th- that available. Raylia, right, yeah, there's often... When you're getting IVF, you have
1: to have compulsory counselling before you begin. But that's not until you're quite far down the track. Do you find that your patients often benefit from external counselling?
0: Yeah, I do actually. And the compulsory counselling, it's just a one-off session in order to meet the requirements of the Victorian legislation. So it's not really creating an ongoing relationship or offering support to that person as an individual. Often the group counselling that has to be done is more about IVF specifically and the process of IVF and a little bit about how we cope with that because IVF is not a solution to a person's problem often. I think that's really important to understand when we embark upon IVF. It's not necessarily fixing the underlying concern What we're trying to do is create a get around. We've got a goal we want to achieve. There's a barrier to that goal. IVF does not necessarily remove that barrier. Actually, most of the time it doesn't. You know, whether that's poor egg quality because of advancing age, whether that's severe endometriosis, whether that's blocked fallopian tubes. IVF is not a cure for those things. It's a way that we try and help someone have a baby despite those things and so because those barriers are there for some those barriers are harder to get around than others and IVF for that reason is not a silver bullet and it's I wish it was but it isn't and you know for all of my patients who succeed you know along their journey they have had you know ups and downs and that is par for the course in IVF. So I think there's a lot of factors that my patients bring with them to the table. Nobody, you know, nearly nobody, maybe with the exception of trying to avoid a genetic problem in a baby that's in the parents. But, you know, other than that, practically nobody chooses IVF as their first choice in terms of how they want to get pregnant. Usually it's their last resort. Mm. And so what that means is that patients who come to IVF have had a really pretty rough time emotionally with trials and tribulations that have brought them to my office. And so that's the starting line of what is quite a challenging, often, medical process. So that that's what the humans okay. bring to the table. They... They bring their hopes, their dreams, their expectations, their medical problems and also their experience often of disappointment in the natural process or other things they've tried first. So it's complicated.
1: I would think that
0: also, I mean, we've talked about IVF,
1: but I would also think that perhaps, you know, a woman in her late 30s or any age considering freezing her eggs, there's possibly some things to talk about there because you're confronting your
0: singleness. Oh, look, there's everybody, everybody thinking about fertility is thinking about a complicated scenario. Whether they're with their partner trying to conceive, whether they're coming as a single parent by choice trying to, you know, kind of navigate the complexities of donor conception, whether they're a single woman who is proactively trying to create a resource for her future by freezing eggs or doing that in a reactive way, can sometimes happen for example with relationship breakdown so many different situations and you know really what we have in common is our humanity and what we can do facing any challenge whatever our strategy is to overcome that challenge or to optimize our pathway forward is to build our resilience so i think support is is critical and i think it's overlooked i think often in medicine we're very problem-focused rather than person-focused. And I think that's a mistake.
2: Um, thanks, Raylia. Yeah, I think that's really spot on, uh, that when women and partners uh, go to an IVF clinic or fertility clinic um, or go to the, a specialist or a doctor, um, it is um, very much medicalized and looking at uh, what's perhaps wrong uh, with that person or wrong with the situation. And someone can feel... Um, I suppose like they can be the problem in a way or that they have that problem and what a counsellor or a social worker or a psychologist you know can offer is to to bring them back to who they are and and move away from that medicalised process um, and actually unpack all the things that are happening for them also realising that they're not the problem you know it's not it's not internalised and some of what they're facing is uh, a common situation that a lot of people face as well. I think that can also be really helpful. Making it less medical and, and seeing it as um, something that everyone, well, a lot of people can experience and that there are ways to move forward. Sometimes people don't, um, they don't end up with, the, um, with their desired situation. You know, they might not end up having, having a, a baby, for example. And then there are ways to work through that, and that's they're going to need help with a grief and loss process and counselling, um, and having someone there to, to talk through that. Um, and if things do actually happen in the way that they wanted them to happen, sometimes there can be challenges and surprises along the way. Um, and you know, in couples, there can be, I suppose, disagreements about things. And these are all things that um, that a, a counsellor can. Can work through uh, with someone, and it's all about working in partnership. And I suppose that's the thing too—that it's very ca- collaborative. Uh, the counselling process—it's a, it's a real partnership approach. Um, I'm not the expert; the, the client or the patient is the expert in their lives. And what I'm there to do is to help them through situations um, that that are difficult for them, uh, some barriers that they are facing, and. Um, and to look at things that from a different perspective at times, uh, and to actually help them to uh, to work through those things that where they feel at the moment, they're feeling stuck and and we're helping I'm helping them to sort of move forward. I think that's a really good point that we lose objectivity,
0: don't we, when we're in the throes of a situation. and sometimes having that external, professional voice and that shoulder to lean on can really fortify us and restore us and replenish us when we are feeling like we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of our reaction to a circumstance, like a failed embryo transfer, for Mm. example, or like a relationship challenge, because often there's self-blame of one part. Often it's ourselves. Often as women, we blame ourselves in a fertility situation where really it's not our fault.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think we take on a lot of responsibility for family and what family should look like and the expectations um, that we've had for that. Um, And also for relationships, like you're saying. Um, And when things don't go as planned, there can be a real sense of Guilt um, and failure, and uh, maybe humiliation as well, and, and this sense of just being really alone in, in a situation, and feeling like there's no one else who would understand. There's no one else who's going through what I'm going through. Why? Why is it me? Why am I going through this? And so those sorts of things, uh, you know, when it's it can be such a lonely uh, time. It's really important for women and where partners are involved, you know, for, for people to to reach out and get support.
1: If someone was going to come and see you, what would they expect oh. in an appointment?
2: I would call you on the phone uh, and introduce myself as a start and say, hi, I'm Laurel. Um, I'm a counsellor from Women's Health Melbourne, uh, and uh, I've received a referral just uh, saying that perhaps you would like some supportive counselling and um, wanting to make a time that that suits you and and when would suit you, that sort of thing. And then we'd move on to making uh, a time for a telehealth appointment because that's what's happening now with COVID times. And then I would be saying, you know, introducing myself again um, and and just checking in with the person, how they're going generally, you know, how are you today? Um, And also acknowledging as well that I have a referral I have a little bit of information about what's happening for you right now Um, I understand that there's there are some difficulties around whatever it might be and is there anything that you would like to share with me uh, as well but before I go into that too I I do also cover confidentiality and, and privacy as well so I explain where the information is kept you know who has access to it um, that it's very secure and uh, that what we speak about is private and confidential um, and not shared without their knowledge or their permission. And then and then it's really about unpacking what's happening for that person, what's happening for you now, um, and then getting a little bit of background from, from you. Also asking them, what is it that you're hoping to get from our time together? If there are any sort of goals that they're wanting to work towards or it's general support Um, or if there's a focus on relationship issues, then it gives me a bit more of an idea of what direction to move in in into with them.
1: Your appointment times go for an hour. Do they always go for an hour? Is there a reason they go for an hour?
2: I think an hour is a good amount of time because it can take people time to, um, I suppose, relax into the session uh, and then to start Talking about what's happened for them. And sometimes even it's not just the initial session, but the following sessions as well. They will have a bit of an update as to how things are going. Um, and sometimes the week before, I will have left a little bit of homework. <laughs> Say, can you can you focus on um, on how you're feeling about this particular issue that we that we spoke about and, and have a little bit of a visualization, putting yourself in that situation. Uh, and then we'll come back to it the following week um, and we'll reflect on that. So there's a bit of a reflection time, a bit of an update, and then it's about working on the next the next step, really. Or sometimes if someone feels like something has been resolved, if you feel, yeah, that there's been a resolution, then we can start to discuss what perhaps another goal is or some the next thing that they wanted to have some assistance with. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: And so, you know, laurel support can go beyond the fertility process because sometimes, you know, we need support in other stages of our lives as well, Uh, you know, in terms of having a newborn baby, having a a pregnancy, often a pregnancy after a difficult fertility journey can be very nerve-wracking, especially in the first trimester where you're reluctant to tell people often about your pregnancy um, often, often I find couples who've, and women who've been through fertility treatment are very guarded in the first trimester, almost emotionally, just protecting mm. themselves because of what they've been through. Just expecting the next thing to go wrong, even when there's no, mm. nothing that's going wrong. And it's it's a very trying time. And often support can go beyond my actual care of my patients because, as I I've said previously on this on this podcast. Our model of care is helping conception, planning, fertility. I don't deliver the babies that I help create. I'm a retired obstetrician and and that's because I have far too many (laughs) babies in my practice to possibly deliver, um, which is beautiful and wonderful. But often what happens is referral to a colleague who's an obstetrician uh, or to the public system where patients prefer to go through the public hospital system or midwife care for pregnancy. So often beyond when they're under my care, they might still be under your care Laura. Yeah,
2: that's right. And as you were saying, it's such a um it can be such a, a stressful time as well as such a happy time for women who are pregnant in that first trimester in particular. And there are people who tell me that they can't tell anyone about what's going on for them at the moment. They can't tell anyone that they're pregnant, even their closest family members. Um, So I'm the only person that they're telling. And so um, it's really important that they've got someone that they can talk to, as well as sharing the beautiful news. It's about supporting them through that anxiety, those anxious times when they're not sure what's going to happen and acknowledging as well that what they're worried about is, you know, it's fair enough that they're worried because they've had already had a very stressful journey. And so, so really supporting them and, and holding them, I guess, because uh, they don't know what's going to happen next. And even though this is a really exciting step in the journey, there's always this question of what if, what if, what if. And it's about helping them um, manage that stuff around the future Intense stuff. What could go wrong? Um, and and bringing them back. Well, right now, this is what the situation is. This is what's happening for you, um, and helping them to to actually try to enjoy that moment as well. Often in in IVF, you know, one of the most stressful times of IVF.
0: Even though there's a lot of stressful times in IVF, like medication injections All of and um, procedures. But a lot of the times from a patient perspective, the most stressful time is the two-week wait, which is the time between when an embryo transfer happens and the outcome of a, of a cycle is known. So that's also another another time when some support can be really very influential in how a woman experiences. Yeah, treatment. absolutely.
2: Uh, I think, you know, these are very high stress um, uh, times and, and high hopes and um, I guess it's it's around, again, you know, I can't do anything to fix that, you know, to fix um, someone's expectations and their hopes. And that's all totally natural. Um, and it's really just about having someone to talk to, um, to unpack those feelings and to manage them and to have coping strategies, I suppose, for those high-stress situations, um, you know, how are you going to manage perhaps um, for those next two weeks if I'm not speaking them to them for a fortnight or or for the next week? You know, what can you do um, to be looking after yourself uh, and and putting some things in place for them to get through that as best as they can. And it could be things like distractions, um, you know, making sure that they're seeing friends, doing things that they enjoy, looking after themselves. Um, So that's just some of the stuff that we would talk about.
1: Laurel, if someone has a really difficult decision to make, maybe about fertility, maybe about other things happening in their lives, how do you support someone through that decision-making process? Uh, yeah,
2: thanks, Jordi. Um I guess it's looking at those options uh, in depth with them and really working through uh, what each option looks like. So what I do, rather than doing like a list of pros and cons, which I know... <laughs> you know, people can do that and that's okay. But when it's so highly emotional and it's such a big life-changing decision, we need to be doing more than that. So um, one way of doing this is to write down what the scenarios are on a piece of paper. There might be two or three scenarios or or more. You know, one is that you keep trying to to have a baby, for example, or um, or you've decided to continue with that or the decision might be that you decide to terminate the pregnancy uh, that this is just one example or there might be other decisions there that you have to make as well and I suppose it's about putting yourself in that situation um, with the support of me um, and working through each situation scenario really imagining how it feels you know what what it looks like um, who is there to support you through that process and looking at the time frames as well so you know what's it going to feel like when you were there, you know, in the, say, giving birth, for example, uh, what does what does that feel like? Who is there for you? That sort of stuff. And then looking, you know, a, a year down the track, at, at, at similar things, and how is that feeling? Acknowledging that your life will have changed a lot, that you won't be able to do a lot of the things that you love doing now, um, being really realistic about it. It's not, it's not all love hearts and rainbows and everything, all that sort of stuff. It's it's also really hard work having a baby. Um, but yeah, so working through that and then working through the other scenarios as well and really thinking about, well, if you, if you do take this other decision, what's that going to feel like in the moment when you have, if you're having a procedure done, what does that procedure feel like? What does it feel like straight after it? Working through that, imagining it, putting yourself in that situation so that it's not just a cognitive thing. It's actually you're sensing it. And then what's it like, yeah, in a year, in three years? Five years. How are you feeling about that decision now? In five years' time, in three years' time, um, and and that's really what it's what I'll be doing with really difficult decisions, and supporting people through those those difficult times as well, because it it can be very confronting as well. A lot of people they know they have this difficult decision uh, to make, and they talk about it, but the words sort of get lost. You know, it's they don't sort of put it down on paper and actually sit with each situation for a time and really think through mm. each scenario and the complexity. And that's the complexity right, of it, right, Laurel? Because like,
0: we, we kind of shut that up. We simplify things yeah. for our coping mechanisms and we don't really necessarily that's explore right. them that's in and right. so layers.
2: Think having counselling, yeah, it, it certainly helps to explore those layers and the complexity that we we often don't do for ourselves if we don't have assistance to to do that or even or professional guidance. Yeah. Yeah, professional so, guidance.
0: Laurel, can I just change topics just for a, a minute and just talk to you a bit about the pandemic? Because obviously it's the pink elephant in the room for all of us. Our lives have changed dramatically over the past two years. Are you finding that in women and couples that there's that extra layer of stress to break down in everyone because of what we've all gone through?
2: Yes, I am. <laughs> Finding that um, there is a lot of extra stress in relationships. Um, people have been spending a lot of time together that they wouldn't usually be spending. It's not really natural for people to be stuck together all day, every day for such a long period of time. And now that we're sort of moving away from, um, that time of being isolated and we're starting to sort of reconnect and start to do things a bit more normally again, it's when people can actually seek help and actually unpack some of the stuff that might have happened, um, the stresses that that came up during lockdown and that they, that they feel ready to work through. Because often when you're in a situation, you're just surviving as well. Um, and you're just trying to get from day to day. Uh, and, and also the supports, Uh, haven't always been there through lockdown. So that's been really difficult for people, for sure. There's kind
0: of two pathways to have a referral to see you. Obviously, when I see patients and other doctors in the practice and other practitioners, allied health practitioners in the practice see a patient and think, gee, they could use some, some professional support, we will refer internally within the practice for our patients to see you. But If any of our listeners or our patients who haven't been specifically referred want to see you, there is a link on our website where they can make a time and an appointment for support. And even patients who haven't yet seen us um, as the medical professionals but who are thinking about things like egg freezing, should I freeze my eggs, like I'm trying and I might book an appointment for a few months' time but how will I cope with the lead up to to that and cope with just the idea of intervention you know that's a big deal Um, they can make an appointment to see you yeah
2: yeah yeah absolutely I can support people at all stages um, whether they're going through treatment or whether it's before treatment or whether it's uh, other issues that they need they're needing support with as well and because
0: I was doing mainly telehealth you don't have to be a patient of our practice and you don't even have to be In Melbourne to make an appointment to see Laurel. So if if what she has said today is really resonating with you and you need some help, um, please do feel free to reach out and you can book an appointment uh, with Laurel through our Women's Health Melbourne website by visiting the specialist tab on our website and um, looking at Laurel's bio page.
1: What's also amazing is that Laurel can offer some out-of-hours Appointments. So if you don't see a time that works for you, um, just call Women's Health Melbourne and we'll work with Laurel to find a time that works for both of you.
0: And Laurel, just before we wrap up our podcast, you know, one of my visions for Women's Health Melbourne is to really create a person focused model of care from, you know, uniting medical perspectives, allied health perspectives, and social supports perspectives in the pathway of treatment so that women and men feel supported in their fertility journey. How do you think that changes their experience? Yeah,
2: really, I think that would be, I think it's a really important way to move forward. uh, Because, you know, that first time when someone's coming in for a medical appointment, we want to make sure that we are seeing the whole person um or the whole situation, you know, within a, a couple and a relationship. And I think you need to have that holistic view, yes, looking at the medical stuff, but looking as well beyond that uh, so that we can provide the best support, the wraparound support uh, that people need uh, to get through such a journey that can be joyful but also really stressful. Um, and for some people um, it can be, it can be really difficult.
0: Thanks so much, Laurel, for coming thank on you. Knocked Up. And we love having you in our practice. You offer such amazing support to our patients and really do make such a big impact in their in their lives and their experience of fertility treatment. So thank <laughs> you.
1: To support Knocked Up, leave us a review or recommend to a friend. Join us on Instagram at Knocked Up Podcast and join Railia at Dr Railia And email us your questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au.